Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. So excited. <laughs> I got to get it back together. Really excited for next week. We're talking about um, the signs proof or disprove Christianity. And uh, we, Beck and I are going to be uh, spending lots of time doing the research and the background because we want this series to be helpful for you, but also we want it to be helpful for your friends and your family and people that want to know these things. We know that people ask those questions and, and it will be a great opportunity uh, to get people together and we're going to try to present the truth as simply as possible uh, without too much bias, without uh, trying to just present one side. We want to make sure that people can understand what's going on uh, and, and, and for you to also be able to then take some of those answers into those circle of friends and family. Uh, but we will love you to invite people as well. We will love to see this place packed over the next five weeks as we talk about some really difficult questions. I think we'll probably be spending more than twice the amount of time that we normally do on our messages because we, don't, we do want to present the truth to you in a way that is you know, um, reasonable in a way that people can understand. And so uh, they're great questions. Um, and, and what we're doing after the, the experience today is that we are going to be doing a short um, a video clip getting some people to help us with that. And we're going to uh, put down the, the five different questions for each week. And we're going to make it into a video. We're going to put it on uh, our social media. So you can use that to uh, invite friends and family as well. So uh, they, they can see that these are the questions that we are doing. They can come on the week that they're interested or come for the whole five weeks. We will love that. And, uh, and yeah, so it'll be good to go. But today we are going to be talking in, uh, about uh, the final two chapters of Galatians because we are finishing off our series. Uh, uh, two weeks ago, we spoke about uh, faith and doubt. We spoke about how we need to be feeding our faith instead of fueling our doubt, but at the same time, how doubt and faith can kind of somewhat coexist. And so if you want to uh, hear more about that, that's on the podcast. And then last week, we had Easter weekend, and we focused on the question, how good is good enough? And big thank you to the drama, play, skit team. We don't know what to call these guys yet. What are we calling them, Vic? Lift entertainers. <laughs> Lift and Ellie's, the Ellie's. You guys are the Ellie's. Um, um, they did a great job with um, the little uh, drama that we put on to help you understand that God demands perfection, but then He became our perfection, and He allows us into the life that He has got for us, both now and eternally, and, and that's what He has prepared for us, that's available for us. And today, we talk about chapters 5 and 6 in Galatians, and the question that I want to answer for you is, how free is freedom? How free is freedom? Because in Galatians 5 verse 1, the very first verse, if you don't know how the whole verse and chapter thing works, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. So the very first verse of this section says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. 
For freedom, Christ has set us free. Sounds a little bit circular. But for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. People have looked at the book of Galatians. Scholars have looked at it, and they say freedom and grace are the two things that characterize this whole book. That's why this is such a firm favorite of so many people because it is one of those books that makes you feel good about yourself. Makes you not just feel good about yourself, but makes you understand that God loves you, that God thinks good things towards you, and God desires good things towards you. And, and, and a part of it is freedom. Who wants freedom? Wow, that was not a good response. Wrong church. <laughs> who wants slavery? <laughs> okay. So who wants freedom? Who, who really desires it? Yeah. We all want freedom. No one likes to be a slave. No one wants to be oppressed. No one wants to be trapped. And, and, and so Galatians 5 and 6 uh, is, is a whole bunch of uh, stuff that Paul's unpacking about freedom. But when you look at... Sorry, my iPad's not working. When you actually look and read those verses, I wonder whether some of you would feel that it's quite hard to think of these uh, verses as talking about freedom. For example, in Galatians 5 verse 19 to 21, it says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, meaning etc. more. There's more in this list. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is a pretty long list. And I think when we look at that list, we can see that there are words there that we don't like. We don't want to be given to all those things. But when you think about the behaviors and the thoughts behind some of those words that Paul has used, you will find behaviors that is common to each and every single one of us. For example, if we look at envy, which is right in the middle of that list, the behavior of envy, the thought behind envy is that someone has someone, something that I like. That's envy. How many of you would say, if someone tells you not to envy, that's going to be quite a difficult thing? It is a, almost a natural reaction. And Paul's saying, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed. And, and then there's, there's fits of anger. There's jealousy. There is, you know, people tick you off and you're not allowed to be angry. You're not allowed to, you know. And then there's some, uh, some people who would be really worried about some of these things. And so you, you, you'll hear Christians that say things like, you're not allowed to be drunk, so you're not even allowed to drink. And then you've got issues of sexual immorality where you are not allowed to sleep around before marriage and after marriage. And you're not allowed... To... <laughs> I realized that there was a problem there. <laughs> you're, you're not allowed pornography. You're not allowed stuff that the world sees as rights. And I, I mean it. I don't know if you've got friends that you've spoken to, but I have spoken to friends who, who argue with me and say that... Why is porn not allowed? Porn should be a right in our world. It is not hurting anyone. So why can't I be allowed that stuff? And obviously, there's a much bigger picture behind it. But what I'm trying to put forward to you is that as much as when we look at that list at first glance, it feels like, yeah, yeah, I don't want any of that stuff. But the truth is, a lot of what is happening in that very passage is stuff that we are all living out. 
and that we are dealing with. And then moreover, in Galatians 6 verse 2, Paul says this. He says, I was hoping it will come up a bit quicker. <laughs> Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law, the law of Christ. A few chapters ago, Paul said that you are saved by grace, not by law. That you are not under the law anymore, you are under grace. And then in Galatians 6 verse 2, he says, you are now required to fulfill the law of Christ. And suddenly there is obligations. Suddenly there are things that I'm supposed to be doing. Suddenly there are restrictions on my life. So when Paul says, for freedom Christ has set you free, now no longer subject yourself to slavery. And then the next moment he says, but there's a law that you're supposed to fulfill. And when you look at that, it says, bear one another's burdens. Do you know who are the worst people to have to look after? People. People are frustrating. People make you angry. People are not always nice. And if the law requires me to bear every person's burdens, that is going to be a lot of burdens that I need to carry. You know what I mean? I've known people that have used this verse and told people that you're not allowed to say no to helping someone else. You can never say no. You can't say no ever to helping other people because the Bible says so and it is the law of Christ. I have known people that have served and served and served, never saying no, and, and at the end of the day feeling burnt out and, and empty on the inside. And it's like, that's the law of Christ. If that's the law of Christ, I don't want anything to do with it. Now, I'm going to take a few steps out of the message about freedom just to deal with this topic because I think it's very important that we understand what Paul's actually trying to say because this is something that's really important. Because just three verses later, Paul says, each of you should bear your own load. It's going to come on the screen. You're going to see it. Three verses. Within three verses, Paul goes, bear one another's burdens. And then he goes, for each will have to bear his own load. Am I supposed to bear other people's burdens or am I supposed to bear my own load? Paul, you are a bit weird. But the answer to that is yes. The answer is yes, because what we have is an English translation of Paul's Greek. And what Paul's Greek reveals to us is that in Galatians 6 verse 5, the word load actually connotates a weight that a cargo ship carries. That means that the ship was designed, purposed to carry that load. It's a load that you can bear. It is not going to overwhelm you because you were created for it. It is your responsibility. Your cargo is your responsibility. This is something that you are meant to carry. And so each and every single one of us have a load that we are meant to carry. But the word burden is a load, is a weight that is beyond what a person can carry uh, normally. For example, if a person is injured and goes in the hospital and has two kids at home that are hungry, would you say, no, 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 that's your load to carry? 
No, the church family gathers around. The church family says, how can we help? We'll provide meals, we'll provide childcare. It's not being a bad parent to say, I have got broken legs and I can't look after my child for the next week or so, so I need help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help, but what we need to understand is that there's a difference between a load and a burden. There's no problem asking for help with your burden, but there's a problem if we get help with our load because we are meant to be responsible we are going to be giving up our purpose and our design if we say I don't want to carry anything so parents if I can just speak to you for a moment whether you're a parent now or you're going to be a parent down the track you need to understand that your child needs to learn to be responsible for their own load not their own burden because the burden will crush your child, but you need to work out what is your child's load that they can bear. They, at some stage, will need to learn how to become responsible for their own time management, for their own finances, for their uh, emotions. They need to be given tools on how to carry their load. But at the same time, we need to be careful that we are not overburdening people. And in fact, we, are, we shouldn't be shying away from helping one another. When there is an opportunity for us to carry one another's burdens, that is our Christian obligation, if you will. It is something that we should be jumping at the opportunity to go, how can I help? Because that is part of how we live the life that God has got for us. That, that, that's, that's how we fulfill our purpose. When we manage our load in such a way that we can help other people with their burdens, that's what Christianity often looks like. It's as simple as that. You don't need to be a scholar in order, you don't need to learn the Hebrew and the Greek in order to carry someone else's burden. You don't. You don't need to learn how to uh, uh, exegete uh, the Ten Commandments before you can provide a meal for a struggling mom. You don't need to become a, 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 a graduate di diploma. What was it called? You don't need to become a graduate diploma. That's right. You don't. In order to be able to encourage someone who's feeling down. But understand that there's a difference between a load and a burden, and that's what Paul's talking about. All right, back on topic, I've got another 20 minutes. So we were talking about freedom, and we were talking about how Christ, uh, Paul writes, Christ said that he came to set us free. In fact, I love John 10 verse 10 in the message version. Uh, I memorize that because it helps me focus, and Jesus said, I have come that you would have a real and better life. No, sorry, real and eternal life, more and better life. Who wants a real and eternal life? Who wants a more and better life? That's what Christ has said. So what do we do with all these restrictions? What do they mean? Why is there a law of Christ? Why is there things that we're not allowed to touch if we really have freedom? And the answer is that when we have the right perspective of what freedom and slavery looks like, when we truly understand where freedom is and where slavery is, we will be able to understand why there are restrictions. Let me show you. In, in um, Galatians 5 is... Sorry, my iPad's being slow today. Galatians 5 verse 7, Paul, Paul tells the Galatian church, you were running well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? You were running well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Maybe in the context of what we're talking about, Paul was basically saying, you were running toward freedom. 
What caused you to turn back to slavery? You were running towards the freedom and the life that God has got for you. Why did you turn away and go back towards slavery, towards destruction, towards corruption? And we need to start to understand what the truth is and where freedom truly is. Galatians 6, 7 to 8 says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will reap from the flesh corruption, but to the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You see, there are consequences to our actions. Whether we like it or not, that is a law that God has instituted into the world. It is the same as the law of gravity. When I jump, gravity pulls me down, whether I like it or not. It is just simply a fact of life. And another fact of life that is, that is talked about lots in the Bible is the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you will reap. There is no two ways around this. Yes, God can intervene. For example, when you sit in a plane, that plane is, is breaking the law of gravity to some extent because it's taking you somewhere. And the intervention can happen, but at some stage, the intervention will stop. You know what I mean? And gravity will take you back down again. In the same way, God does and will intervene but only to a certain extent because you need to understand the law of consequence for yourself. That is part of the load that we carry to understand that there are consequences for our actions. And what Paul talks about is that there are two ways to sow and two ways to reap. The first is to sow into the flesh and reap corruption or sow into the spirit and reap eternal life. We sow into the flesh and we will reap destruction. But if we sow into eternal life, we will, sorry, sow in the spirit, we will reap eternal life. And he goes on to say in Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. See, I began to see that there's a disconnect between our culture and what the Bible teaches. And that's why we struggle so much with what the Bible is teaching. And see, according to the Bible, serving your own appetites and desires will reap destruction and is called slavery. Serving other people, loving other people, putting other people's interests before ours is part of the life in the spirit, and Paul calls it freedom. Can you see why there's a problem there and a disconnect with our world? Because our world tells us that if you get an opportunity to serve your appetites, to fulfill your desires, that's freedom. You get to go on that holiday you've always wanted. Oh my gosh, you are so free. You know, you don't have any responsibilities over anyone else. You get to go away for the weekend. Uh, you get to get drunk and let go of your responsibilities. The world calls that freedom. You get to sleep around with whoever you want to. Freedom! But the Bible calls that slavery. And then you start to tell people, no, 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 no. We have an obligation to serve other people. We have a need to serve other people, to give of ourselves, to sacrifice of ourselves for the good of other people. And the world says, why would you put yourself under that kind of slavery? 
So now we are in a tension of what truly is freedom and what truly is slavery. And when we look at the Bible, we go, why are you stopping me from entering my freedom? When what the Bible is actually trying to help us to see is where freedom truly is. Does that make sense? And I know I've used a similar analogy before. Time for my magic trick. This is the box of flesh. My box broke on the way to church today. Because I'm such a holy person, my flesh had to be broken. It's good, isn't it? I should be part of the LE team. Anyway, what... What happens is that us, who are, according to some scientists, which we'll talk about next week, are just evolved monkeys. We were in the box of flesh. And why I call it a box of flesh is because the flesh is truly a master. It is, it is something that captures us. It's something that holds us in. What I mean, if you look at the list that Paul was talking about, you'll realize that a lot of the appetites and a lot of the desires that Paul talks about are what you could call hot emotions, hot appetites. They consume. When was the last time you were angry? You realized that your blood was literally, figuratively, boiling. You, know, you felt that flushness. You, uh, when I get angry, I get lightheaded because all my blood is just like... <laughs> Anyone feel that way? Anger is hot. Envy is hot. Jealousy is hot. Lust is hot. And what happens with those hot desires and emotions is that the more we feed into it, the more it wants to consume. It is a never satisfied desire. The appetite grows and it grows and it grows. It begins to consume your every waking moment and your every waking thought. It's an addiction. So many of those things that Paul talks about leads to addictive behaviors behaviors and habits that ruin us, that destroy us. That's why it's a box. That's why it's trying to master us. I know that Joe, when she was giving the spoken word last week, she gave a little tip where she said that if you don't control it, it controls you. And I know that with many of my old desires, my fleshly desires, they were so hot. I did not know how to deal with it. And I, four and a half years ago, as I was preparing to move into the house that Beck and I were living after we got married, I'm packing all my stuff, and I found a whole bunch of journals. Yes, I used to be one of those closet dear diary people. I'm not proud of it, but I used to keep diaries, and I thought, hey, this is really cool. Trip down memory lane. Look through these journals. Some people already know where this is going. And I was looking through, and literally, it was page after page after page of girls that I liked and were trying to chase. I was reading their every uh, uh, action and behavior and word that was spoke. You guys pretend that you guys are beyond this. You make me sick, you fleshly people. But seriously, I looked at that and I was seeing how much that consumed me. Now, it wasn't lust in the sense that I was writing about sexual fantasies, but it was lust in the sense that I was desiring this so much. It was something that wasn't mine to own, but it was still something that I wanted and desired to own. I wanted to have so badly, and I could see how much it was consuming my thoughts. And, and, and I was wondering, like, if I even spend 
a third of the time that I spent thinking about these things on the things that God wanted me to think about, how different will my life be? But as I saw this, the scary thing as well was that I remembered, no, I felt how hot those desires were. How much that game that I used to be a part of captured me and consumed me. I can look back now and I can see now how trapped I was. How much a slave I was to those emotions. I didn't think about it in that moment. In that moment, I thought that that was what life was about. I just thought that this is normal. This is what people do. This is something good. It's supposed to lead me to somewhere good. But looking back, I could see how trapped I was. And I thank God that in the midst of being trapped in my box, my flesh box, the box that was bringing me down, that was holding me back, Christ came and set me free, took me out of that box, gave me true freedom. See, the thing that we don't realize and the thing that God only really started to reveal to me a few years ago about how to think about this is that we often think that when Christ saves us, we stay in the same place and the box is destroyed, that sin no longer exists. The problem is that sin doesn't get destroyed in that moment. We are just simply removed from it. We are no longer needing to give in to those appetites and into those desires. We no longer have to say yes to it. We still have the choice of whether we say yes to it or not because God doesn't get rid of your humanity. Part of your humanity is the ability to make choices. If God takes away your choice, He takes away your humanity and you might as well be a robot. You might as well just be something that has no will, has no real life. But God gives you life. God gives you choice. And that means that the flesh box still exists. The choice is whether we allow ourselves to be captured by it or whether we understand that true freedom is found outside of the walls of the flesh. Because out of the flesh we reap destruction, but out of the Spirit we find eternal life. This is where we need to start to see things differently. This is where we need to start understanding that there's a difference between a life of slavery and a life that is free. So in that way, if we understand that the things that the Bible says, it's like don't do this, don't go near that, is not to restrict you, but is there to draw the boundary lines for you to understand where the flesh is. It helps us to understand where life is. I've got a couple of videos to show you. They were made by a Hollywood director aspiring Hollywood director. Now, two quick videos. If you turn your attention to the screen, is it going to work? There we go. That's clip number one. I call that box in motion. That's one. And now that's number two. I call this box in motion two. That's a shorter one. But what I did there, very clever, got this box, built it, 
and I took my phone and I filmed the inside and then I filmed the outside. Did anyone pick that up? Fantastic, hey. It worked. I did this at another church and I'm like, yes, we saw it. I was like, what? Anyway, what happened was, yeah, I took a video of the inside and then I took a video on the outside focused on the boundaries. And in neither of those videos do you see the amount of space that I had. In neither of those videos do you see the room that I was in. Because I was so captured, so focused on the boundaries. I was so focused on looking at it and going like and examining it that my world became so much smaller. See, what happens and what Paul's trying to teach us is that when you're walking by the Spirit, it's not about trying to examine the walls of the boundaries. It's about examining the life that Christ has set us free to live. And yes, the world tells us that serving other people is a boundary, is, is slavery, is, is not freedom. But listen to what the Bible says. In Galatians 5, Paul lists a whole bunch of stuff that we know as the fruit of the Spirit. And you can read about it. He says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I think there's one more I missed, but that's okay. But then he adds this little line at the end. He says, against such, there is no law. There is no limit. There is no restriction. When I start to live according to what the Spirit has allowed me to truly find, I find a life without limit. I find a life without restriction. There is no restriction to love. There is no restriction to joy. There is no restriction to peace. But those things are only found outside the boundaries of the flesh. You will never find those things in the flesh. When we try to find love in the flesh, we find a corrupted form of love. We find a broken form of love, a self-seeking love, a love that destroys and leaves you empty. When we try to find joy in the flesh, we end up with a corrupted joy, a joy that is temporary, a joy that just dissipates after a few moments. We don't really have it because there are restrictions on a corrupted form of those things. But when we leave the flesh, when we leave that behind, when we see that God has given me true freedom outside of the flesh, I start to find life without limit. It's amazing that the fruit of the Spirit includes this thing called self-control. It's amazing, isn't it? That when we live by the Spirit, we've got self-control. What does that mean? It means that when I have the ability to dictate to myself what appetites I'm going to fulfill, that's when I find freedom. That's when I find true freedom. If you are being consumed by your desires, if you're being consumed by the flesh, you are going to reap corruption. But if I start to find myself in a place where I'm getting sick of this, I don't want this life anymore. What I need to do is to find a path that allows me to live a life without limits. And that's what I'm trying to put forward to you. Not because I've made it, not because I'm perfect, not because I've lived completely by the Spirit, because there are still things that I'm dealing with. But I've learned that in my Christian walk, it's not about trying to draw those boundaries and to observe these boundaries, but it's about saying to God, God, I want a life that you've got for me. 
no matter how weird and out of whack and out of sync with the world it seems, I know that that is a true path to freedom. I've, I've been there. I know how much the flesh consumes, how much it holds us back. But the life in Christ brings true freedom. Galatians 5, 16 to 17 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You want to do. Maybe this is a morning that you can have a bit of a check. You can think about what's going through your head, what's happening in your life. Have you found love without limit? Have you found joy, peace without restriction? Have you got self-control? Do your thoughts run your life? Or have you submitted it to the Spirit? Yeah, it sounds like slavery. But speaking as a person who's been on the other side, the world hasn't got freedom. In our rich first world nation of Australia, suicide is at an all-time high. Hopelessness, depression, anxiety, stress. If you want that, you have the choice for it. You can choose that. I don't get to stop you. I'm not going to shoot you as you walk out that door. I don't get that choice. God's given you that choice, and you get to choose it. But why would you choose that? Why would you not choose a life that is worth living? Why would you not choose a real and eternal life, a more and a better life? Why would you not choose true freedom? The flesh is an amazing salesman. Amazing. The very best that there is. And it will always sell those appetites and those desires to you as though it's going to bring you fulfillment. And that's why the Bible needs to show you. It's why the Bible needs to show me the things in my life where I'm getting it wrong. Because I still get things wrong and I still don't get everything like squared away. And so it needs to show me those boundaries and it says, don't go there. Just, just don't, don't, don't touch that. Why would you want corruption? Why would you want emptiness? If we can get the band up this morning. I really feel like this morning there's a, there's a weight to what God wants to do. I really feel like God is wanting to bring a fresh perspective to people's lives. See, I don't promise you that the moment that someone prays for you, suddenly life becomes easy and, and you no longer struggle with the flesh and, and you're all good to go. It's not what I'm saying. But at least there's a perspective of where true freedom actually lies and where true freedom actually is. I've been a pastor long enough to know that when I sit with people that don't actually want to change, they don't change. It's as simple as that. And why they don't want to change is because they haven't got a perspective that life outside the flesh, life by the Spirit, is where true freedom really lies. And so for your sake, 
If you see in your life, your thoughts, your emotions, your desires have only brought about an emptiness and a depression, a purposelessness, a meaninglessness, then maybe you've been listening to the wrong voice. Maybe you've been chasing the wrong dreams. Maybe you've actually been doing things that deep down inside you don't really want to do. But until you want what Christ wants for you, you're not going to change. Straight out. Let me just say it for you. No amount of meetings with me, no amount of olive oil that we pour in your head will set you free. You don't want to change, and that's the problem. So this morning, I believe that there are people that are starting to see that there's a disconnect between their perspective and what the Bible is teaching. This is not to condemn any person because every single one of us will be on a lifelong journey of having to deliberately choose the spirit over the flesh. Every single one of us, myself included, myself at the forefront. And so this is not about seeing who's sinful, casting stones and judgment on the person that that's so broken and disgusting. This is simply about people saying, I haven't had the freedom that God has got for me. I haven't got the limitless life that God has got for me. And I know that something's got to change. I don't quite know how to change, but at least I want to change. At least I want to find that freedom. At least I want to find what God has already promised to me. Because for freedom, Christ has set you free. It is not, it is not something that is limited. It is not something that is limited to certain sins or certain aspects of our life. God is not limited. He is victorious, but He chooses to allow Himself to work according to your choice. How crazy is that, that God, infinite God, who could zap me right now, right here, who knows every broken, dirty, disgusting thought, every broken, disgusting action that I've ever done. But He chooses to still love me and He chooses to walk with me and He chooses to be with me and to walk me into freedom after all that I've done. That's available for you. That's available for each and every single person. You can never run too far from God. If you're still alive, if you still got breath in your bones, now is your chance. Now is your day of salvation. Maybe not like, oh my gosh, like first time I've ever seen Jesus, but you know that you need saving from that box. You know that that box has been holding you back. So this morning, why don't we all just stand up? And the band's about to lead us into a song. And if nothing else, if you have been on a journey of finding freedom, awesome. So cool. I pray that this song will just be a, a moment for you to remember what God has done for you, the freedom that He's already purchased for you. But for some of you here today, if there's something of a disconnect in you and you know that you've been living a lie, You've been living a life of limit. You've been living a life of slavery. I would like you to be bold enough to step forward to the front 
We're going to have a team that's ready to pray with you and to stand with you until you find your freedom, until you find that what's going on in your life doesn't have a hold on you. You don't need to respond to those things. You don't need to respond to that insecurity. You don't need to respond to that loneliness that you feel. You don't need to respond to that anxiety. You don't need to respond to that need to perform. You don't need to respond to that envy. You don't need to respond to that comparison anymore. You don't need to respond to that lust. You don't need to respond to that old life because God has purchased a new life for you. And if you want it, it's here for you. Why we're asking you to step forward is because sometimes we need to do something to step out of the old life. You might feel embarrassed by it. You might feel like everyone's judging you. But so what? If you're going to allow yourself to be held back by other people's view of you, you're in the box. But if you want true freedom, it doesn't matter what any person in this room thinks. It doesn't matter what I think. It only matters what God thinks. You know what God thinks about you? That my love is greater. My love is greater than any brokenness, than any sin, than any depravity, anything. God says, I've got this. God says, I've got this. You don't have to struggle with this by yourself any longer. So every person, your eye closed, eyes closed. Not just one, both. As the band sings this song, if you feel like this is something that you want to respond to, why don't you take a step of faith out to the front? Because I want to help you find your freedom this morning. God loves you to have your freedom this morning. So thanks, band. Why don't you lead us? Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.